And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. Quality in New York is not something that only threatens those who are struggling. The stakes are so high for every New Yorker. And making sure no son or daughter of New York falls behind. Oh, yeah, right. We heard this before. Right, right. The magic wand. You're going to magic wand. Every poor child's going to be rich under de Blasio. And every rich child's going to be poor under de Blasio. I mean, I've heard this before. We've read it before. Read, read Madame Defarge, read the French Revolution. Just keep promising the morons that they can have what the other man worked for, and you'll get very far in life. We've seen it with Obama on a minor scale. You've seen nothing yet. Wait until de Blasio warms up. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Middle East on the brink. North Korea on the brink. Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989-898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Now, this has nothing to do with de Blasio. It's a little diversion. I know many of you enjoy hearing this, but and this has nothing to do with de Blasio, but I've taken a liking to what I call Guido suits there, velour uh, warm-up suits. And I've, I've ordered, I can't find them on the West Coast. They're, they don't ship them west of the Hudson River for some reason. I had to search the Internet. I found an old one in the closet that I bought many years ago, and I found out it's easier than selecting clothing every day. Put it on. So I tried to, I couldn't find the pair. I tried Macy's. No one had them. I found the company in Brooklyn. Took an Orthodox Jew to tell me, I got plenty, though. I don't know where he got them from. He had boxes of them in my size with the, uh, with the right label on. Don't take a large. Guy your size, you need a media. And he was right. So I bought it on the internet. It was expensive. I, I couldn't wait. I figured three things would happen. It would arrive in tattered. It would be used and refurbished. Uh, there'd be a disease in the box with the suit. My credit card would be purged by someone. None of that happened. The, the thing arrived and it fit perfectly. So I called him up today. I said, Mike, what can I, and I, I ordered another one, another one in black today. And I say it has nothing to do with the Blasio, but the thing is, is I love these suits. They're unbelievable. 
And they're wonderful for doing radio. And I got to tell you, and number two, if you listen to the show, you know, last night I was live in the in the city at KSFO in the radio station. And everyone said it sounded like you were having fun. This is how I raced in in rush hour, had to dodge this, got the pizza, the hands blew up, the legs blew up. I hate eating pizza, yet I love eating pizza. It's my favorite food and it makes me sick. My joints hurt, my ankles blow up. And I say never again. Every bite is delicious and it's poison. As my great friend Dr. Rakathgott taught me many, many decades ago, he said we are addicted to that which hurts us the most. That's whether it's food or sex. Whatever we're more addicted to, whatever we love the most we're addicted to makes us sick. It's true. Whether it's a pizza or a you-know-what. So I'm no longer, I'm not in the city tonight staring across at the two handsome faces that I saw last night. No, I'm now back in a room wearing my Guido suit, staring at a blank curtain in a room somewhere in a remote. <laughs> I'm three feet from a heavy green curtain wearing a light blue velour tracksuit. And I'm looking at the world in a different set of eyes. New York went crazy out of hatred for those who have more. Those who drive around in better cars must have stolen it from the man with a, uh, with a squeegee in his hand. Those who get the prettier women, they didn't deserve the prettier women because they're smarter and uh, provide better. No, they stole that woman from the downtrodden uh, creep with a bad job. Those who live in the nice apartments in Manhattan, they don't deserve them. They stole them from the workers, the strap hangers. At least that's what they believe. Why would you vote for a guy like de Blasio? I mean, I know how he won. There was no one running against him. He was invisible. Do you remember that, this campaign? I'm not even in New York. I remember it. Do you remember who was running way ahead of him? The deviant, perverted psycho from uh, Queens or Brooklyn was way ahead of him. No one ever heard of de Blasio. But the perv blew, blew up his campaign. And then all of a sudden, this guy comes out of nowhere. And now New York's going to be stuck with him. But yet there are people who actually believe him. Jose on WABC, you voted for de Blasio. Please tell America why. There's too many stop and frisks over here. People stop and frisking and uh, too much persecution of the same-sex uh, relationships and stuff. Now, were you, were you personally stopped and frisked? Absolutely. They frisk me all the time. They make uh, minorities late to work all the time, being frisked all the time. I say, so you mean every minority was frisked in New York? What? Every minority was frisked, frisked all the time in New York? It's all recorded. It's on the uh, nightly news, on the uh, ABC News. Well, because the nightly news are a bunch of demagogues who want to stir up the masses against uh, the, the white people in the city. You know that. It's a race war. You know what the media is built upon. The media is built upon race war. The media, the media has a couple of mottos. If it burns, it earns. If you can stir up one race against the other, people will listen to you. So you don't understand that? Now, how do you explain that the crime went down with stop and frisk? How do you explain that? There's a bunch of fat cats living in $150 million apartments. They don't pay any taxes. Joe, Jose, how do you explain that the stop and frisk campaign by the NYPD reduced, reduced violent crime in the city? How do you, how do you explain that away? These statistics are all fabricated by the, by the Republicans. No, the, you're, you have it backwards, as you will soon find out. De Blasio twisted the statistics and made you think that it was all a lie. That psychotic liberal Judge Scheindlin is an example of everything that is wrong with America. An activist left-wing fanatic judge says it's illegal, and she twists the statistics to pander to the minorities. 
Don't you understand that politicians are not to be trusted, that you gotta, you got to judge things by how they are in the street, on the elbow-thrashing level of life, not by what you hear from the liars on a podium. Jose, you're going to see with your own eyes over the next months and years whether the statistics about stop and frisk were right and wrong. I will tell you this. Right after stop and frisk was ended by Judge Fanatic Scheinlin, African-American women in Bed-Stuy, African-American women who are raising children on their own came out against her. And they said, why did she do that? We are in favor of it. Our children are going to be in danger from the punks who have guns. We want stop and frisk to come back. But de Blasio didn't tell you that. The Daily News didn't tell you that. The Daily News features any story that panders to your prejudices to sell a paper. That's my opinion. So the questions remain, why did you vote for de Blasio uh, or Christie? The bigger question for the nation is, would you rather have a moderate, middle-of-the-road Republican like Christie in 2016 or Hillary Clinton? My position is, he is a rhino. I don't like rhinos. But I'd rather have 50% on the dollar than zero on the dollar, number one. I don't believe Ted Cruz can ever win a national election. In fact, I will tell you right now, I would bet $10 million he could never win a national election. I would bet every dime I have that he could never win a national election. Now, many of you are going to find this contemptuous because you've been misled to believe that he's a national figure. I hope that I'm wrong. How's that? I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that I'm wrong, and I hope that he wins, and I hope he's a national figure. Uh, I would say that I'd bet $10 million he could never get there, ever. That's number three. Then the other topic is the uh, marijuana topic. I love what Colorado did. The voters approved a 25% tax on recreational marijuana. And the first $40 million in revenue will go to public schools. It was approved by voters yesterday. Governor John Hickenlooper said, The move showed a willingness on the part of Colorado voters to tax marijuana for the public benefit, even as they roundly defeated a broader tax measure that would have increased state income taxes to raise $1 billion for schools. So the people of Colorado who are very liberal said we don't want higher state income tax, but we want to tax the drug addicts who smoke marijuana. The same should be done in California. It should be taxed, and the state tax should be lowered to 8%, Mr. Brown. Governor Jerry Brown, if you want to truly be a bipartisan governor and be remembered for being a bipartisan governor and get reelected until you're 150, Governor Brown, tax marijuana and lower the state income tax to 7 or 8%. And I'll throw another kicker in there, since you're listening to me so carefully right now, everybody who listens to me so carefully right now, since there's no ball game and no one else to listen to but me. Yesterday, actually, no, today's Wednesday. I was supposed to take the day off. I had an appointment about 40 miles north of here in Santa Rosa, California. Then I found out from one of my assistants that I shouldn't go today because they opened a gambling casino up in a town about 20 miles, on the halfway there. And he said, you're going to get caught. You'll never get past the traffic. And lo and behold, they opened the casino yesterday. And some losers lined up at 3 o'clock in the morning outside this Indian gambling casino. Indian, Indian gambling casino. Like, I'm an Indian. I can open one. I love it, the word Indian casino. Everyone knows what a sham that is. They came by car, by bus, by wheelchair, and by walker 
to place the first bets at the casino near Ronert Park. This casino was on the size of a Las Vegas-sized casino uh, within 30 miles of San Francisco. 254 acres, $800 million, 13 restaurants, 144 tables, 3,000 slot machines, 43 minutes from uh, the San Francisco Bay. 78 blackjack tables for the losers. And so they opened the casino. And who do you think swarmed in there on opening day? Was it a truck driver? No, he was driving a truck. Was it a carpenter? No, he was planing wood. Was it a plumber? No, he was plumbing pipes. Was it a, a word processor? No, she was processing words. So who went into that casino? Why, if you actually study these things, you find out that it's largely people on welfare who swarm the casinos with government checks. They get the government checks and they throw them into the slot machine. Isn't that a nice system? Isn't that wonderful? So if the fools want to gamble their life savings away, I say tax the Indian casinos. For the life of me, I don't understand why states don't tax Indian gambling casinos. Can somebody explain that to me? Tax marijuana? Tax Indian gambling casinos at a reasonable rate like all of us pay? Lower state income tax to 6 or 7%? And everybody wins. Do you agree or disagree with that idea and tell me why? I want the answer. I'm not a fanatic. I want your answers on these questions. I want the dialogue to be had. Should marijuana be taxed as it is in Colorado? That's a no-brainer. Yes. Should Indian gambling casinos be taxed? Duh. Why not? Why? I don't understand that. I have many people who don't like Christie and they're going to tell us why. Where's the one you said I should take? From the local KSFO. Here we go. Steve on KSFO, thank you. What's on your mind? Go ahead, please. Steve. Steve going what? Hey, Steve is not here. He hung up. He was a fanatic who got excited and had to go out and get a new box of the pens while waiting to get up on the air. He was ready to attack me. He got so excited that he went through the whole box that he bought this afternoon at 3 o'clock. Oh, boy. Here we go. W-M-A-L. I love the call letters of radio stations. I can say them in my sleep. We say certain, certain acronyms are so exciting. I learned from somebody at Cumulus last, yesterday where the acronym WLS in Chicago came from. I had no idea. I've been in the business 20 years this March. You know, like radio stations, you think they make them up out of the air. Like Chicago has a monster station, WLS, owned by Cumulus, which I'll be on for the first time. I said, where did that come from? He said, world's largest store. At the time, it was Sears. That was W. I didn't I had no idea. I mean, you learn things, and I find it fascinating. you, you got to love radio to understand what I'm saying. I hit the wrong button. I closed three tabs. My screen just shut down. KSFO, Jason, you're on the Savage Nation. Go ahead, please. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Dr. Savage, um, I have a new name for de Blasio. His name used to be Fugazio, you know, like... Fug now, wait, wait, hold it. Is that a dirty word in Italian? I don't think so. Wait, we don't know. We can't use words like that. I, I don't know what it means. You know, like... I'm sure it's... I don't know what it means. Oh, oh, Fugazi is a... Is a uh, I get it. I remember now, Fugazi is a fake, a fake jewel, fake diamond. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so that's very good. The, what, Fugazi? <laughs> Jason, how'd you figure that out? I don't know. I thought it, I was going to call yesterday with it, but then uh, some... Oh, no, that's hilarious. I think you got the winning prize. 
I know he's a fugazi. I absolutely know that he's not going to do anything that he promised the poor. Uh, what's he going to give the poor that, that he can get? What can he do to make them happy? Tell me. Is he going to give away apartments on the Upper East Side in a lottery? Well, I doubt it. So what's he going to do for the poor? He's going to institute a sales tax, excuse me, a new income tax on the people in New York City. They did that back in the 1950s, and people moved to Connecticut because of that. Well, you know, I don't think he's going to... Uh He's going to just make the situation worse than Bloomberg is. Yeah, he'll turn one race against the other. Crime will go through the ceiling. That's my fear, not my hope. By the way, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that we can see that progressives know how to run a city. Here in San Francisco, I'll show you what a progressive city is like. After I got off the air last night in San Francisco, which is down to, to the south of Market, you know, it's a booming area. There are cranes everywhere building buildings. And there's big internet, young, blah, 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 blah. Very interesting to watch. After the show, I jumped in the car. We went over to an area I've been going to since I moved here. The reason I moved here was because of the Italian-Chinese uh, area of North Beach Chinatown. I just took to it right away. It's my f favorite town in the whole world is the Italian district. The architecture is from, uh, I think it's from the post-earthquake, obviously. It has to be that. It's very charming, low-rise, and it butts up against the financial center with the high-rises. And it meets Chinatown, as Little Italy used to meet Chinatown. It's very interesting, by the way. I went over there last night. I was going to grab some cheap Chinese food. My luck, it was Tuesday night, and the one greasy Chinese joint that I haven't been in years was closed. It's only closed on Tuesday nights. So I wound up walking in the dark streets. Here's what I'm getting at. Here's a progressive city. You have never seen garbage like you've seen in San Francisco. It's a national disgrace. This is a progressive city that you can puke from. Oh, you can look at the ferries and the uh, cable can, you know, bring me to a hill. You, look at all of the propaganda, but you go walk in the streets and look at the filth in San Francisco. You can get sick from what progressives have done to this city. The garbage outside of the Bank of America on Columbus Avenue in North Beach is something that you would not see in a third world city today. There's not a major city in the third world that would look as dirty as San Francisco does under liberals. That's all I can tell you. And I will tell you this. To prove my point, I am going to have my assistant start taking pictures of the dirtiest streets uh, in the city and put them up on michaelsavage.com. You'll be appalled at what you see. It'll be the opposite of what you're being told you're going to get from the de Blasio of the West. I'll be right back. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Tackling inequality isn't easy. It never has been and it never will be. The challenges we face have been decades in the making. And the problems we set out well, to address get the guillotines running. Overnight. The French had the guillotines to straighten out inequality in, in Paris and uh, other cities. They tried the guillotines. How'd that work out? Many countries wanted inequality eliminated. They tried it in uh, Venezuela. That worked out real well. Straightening out inequality. That worked real well for the Cubans. Take a look at that. I mean, de Blasio has a very interesting message. It worked out very well in uh, France during the French Revolution. It worked out very well uh, for the Cubans under Fidel Castro. I'm sure it'll work out very well for the New Yorkers. By the way, Bill de Blasio, he has three different legal names. He says that it's a city, a tale of two cities, but apparently he has a personal tale of three names, according to the Daily News. Are you ready for this? 
Do you know that his real name is Warren Wilhelm Jr.? Wilhelm Jr.? How could that be? The man who became the city's 109th mayor was born Warren Wilhelm Jr. on May 8, 1961 in Manhattan. In 1983, fresh out of NYU, where else? Where else would a good progressive come from but NYU? He petitioned a Manhattan judge to formally change his name to Warren de Blasio Wilhelm, according to legal records. And in December 2001, he petitioned the judge in Brooklyn to formally change his name again, this time to Bill de Blasio. In recent years, the candidates have time, blah, 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 daily news, examiner, court records, blah, 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 read it yourself. The news contacted de Blasio's older brother, Stephen Wilhelm, 65, a journalist in Seattle, to ask about his siblings' identities, and he said, I need to check with the campaign, Wilhelm said. The campaign subsequently said Wilhelm would not be made available for God. It's funny because I like the name Wilhelm. In fact, I named my Mercedes Wilhelm, remember, a few years ago? I've spoken throughout this campaign about a tale of two cities. That inequality, that feeling of a few doing very well, while so many flip further behind, that is the defining challenge of our times. The average person in New York proves once again that New Yorkers are the stupidest people in America with the worst egos. They have contempt for everyone outside of New York and they don't understand they're a laughing stock. They're the most provincial people on the planet. They have megalomania about their own city, which they had nothing to do with, and yet they uh, are jealous of those who built the city. It's fabulous. It's just fabulous. Let's see what old uh, Fugazi, the Bostonian, does for them. He foments social discontent in order to further his own political ambitions. He, he is the dictionary definition of a demagogue. Do you understand this? You can't call him a martinet yet because we don't know his management style. We don't know whether he's a martinet. But we do know that he's a demagogue, that's for sure. Unbelievable to me. I had no idea who the guy was. I never heard of him until yesterday. Never. Never. I mean, I'm used to demagoguery from uh, Obama. That we understand. But this guy takes it to a whole lower level. Not a higher level. A lower level. So now all of the people are saying, I, didn't, I voted for him because I didn't like stop and frisk. That had become an issue. So he appealed to the black people and the Hispanic people. And it made, made it sound like elitist um, cops were frisking only black guys and Hispanic guys. And they were doing it based on race, not based on crime statistics and uh, areas in which they were being frisked. They made it sound as though cops were breaking into middle class um, African-American homes and frisking people on their stoop. And, of course, the, the people on the bottom bought it. They wanted to get the rich. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see if Wall Street changes their ways. Now, if de Blasio or Fugazi or Wilhelm, whatever he wants to be called, comes out and says, you know what, I'm going to reintroduce the uptick rule, and I'm going to put my money where my campaign was. I'm reintroducing the uptick rule because I read about it in Michael Savage's book, Trickle Down, uh, was, I forget, one is trickle up, one is trickle down, I can't remember, poverty. Trickle down poverty. I, I, I was yelling from rooftops, reintroduce the uptick rule. Rain in Wall Street, it was, it was the, the uptick rule, which I'm not going to explain to you, would stop the, the, the crazy speculation on Wall Street that's going to lead to it to the next collapse. It was eliminated by Mr. Rubin, the fly fisherman that Bill Clinton hired from Goldman Sachs to be the Treasury Secretary. Where else? Just watch Boardwalk Empire, you'll know how everything works. 
It's amazing how life imitates art and art imitates life. I initially didn't like Boardwalk Empire on HBO. I didn't like him in the role of the uh, the heavy, the guy with the funny voice. I, I don't know his name even. I always forget. He's a very fine actor. I forget who plays the head, the heavy. He's in, huh? What's his name? The Shammy, the Shammy, Steve the Shammy, Shammy Miami, Steve, Steve the Shammy. I didn't like him with the, uh, the, the, in the beginning, I just, are you kidding? He's the heavy guy from New Jersey, from Atlantic City, but he really came into the part. In the last episode, they had him hitting someone in the face with a cane. They gave him a little violence to add to it, but I thought it diminished from his role because he's not the kind of guy who was the muscle. He was the brains, and a guy with brains doesn't hit anyone in the face with a cane. But having said that, I watch the show now, and I love it, because they, in my mind, it's so cynical. The view of politics in this HBO show, Boardwalk Empire, is ex exquisitely cynical as to what politics is. They show you Republicans and Democrats alike behind closed doors, cutting up the pie and deciding how they're going to basically rape the public. Or in a more polite way, I'll use another word, how they're going to mulk the public, M-U-L-C-T, a word that isn't used much anymore, but since I speak more than 50 words of English, go look it up. They go into a room and they decide how they're going to mulk the public, and mulk they do. And so now we have in New York, a guy comes along, no one heard of him, he's been around forever, he grew up in Boston under the name Wilhelm, changed his name to the Wilhelm de Blasio, now he's de Blasio, and now suddenly everyone loves him and he's going to give to the poor what they don't have because the poor, as you know, when they were riding on a subway and I was once poor riding on a subway car, I funnily, as an immigrant son, didn't hate the rich. I wanted to be like them. How does that work out? I wanted to be the woman in the car. I'll never figure out. Could I tell you a turning point in my life? The day I Almost the day I left New York or within a few months when I left New York? Do you know when? I was a struggling teacher or social worker. I don't know which. I was making next to nothing, living in a, a crappy apartment and uh, riding the subway. My raincoat smelled of the subway. I hated it at night. I even wrote a poem, when I come home at night, my raincoat, it smells of the subway. It was a great poem, by the way. Those early poems were really nice. You know, I could even to this day feel the car rattling, the older cars. And I used to go between the cars to grab air. I used to get claustrophobic in a subway car. I hated it. There was nothing romantic about the subway cars. I don't know what people from Duluth come there. They think subways are cool. They're out in the club, four in the morning, stoned on ecstasy. They think that they're a movie star because they're ripped out of their mind. And then they fall down an elevator shaft to get raped three o'clock in the morning. They don't know why it happened. They thought it was a, a party they were at and a picnic. I didn't find it a picnic. I struggled. So I'm on the subway car with the coat. Da da da. And the point is, it was not very pleasant. But I remember I was coming from my job in Manhattan. And there was, in those days, the rich old ladies would come in from their apartments on Park Avenue in their Rolls, in their Royces, the Rolls Royce, the chauffeur. And they all had a little blanket that they had on the rear passenger shelf. I kind of liked the blanket. I didn't understand exactly why. I was schlepping in the cold and the dirt and the slush. And these elegant old ladies would be dropped off at their banks and their clubs and their lunches in the Rolls. I didn't sit there seething saying, killer take her Rolls, grab her diamonds. I thought how nice that would be to be having a Rolls Royce with a driver and a blanket taking me to lunch. But that's not what did it. I'll tell you what did it. I was working for about $5,800 a year. I don't remember what the number was. It was just starvation wages. Now, remember, I was a college graduate. It's all I could get, okay? And I'll never forget as long as I live, it was an ad, a billboard ad that was in Manhattan on the side of buildings 
And it said that a woman works hard. I think that, well, let me see if I can remember the number right. I don't want to get the number wrong. A woman works hard for her $400,000. And it showed that she banked in a certain bank. I think it was Chase Manhattan. I don't remember what it was. And it showed like a middle-aged woman, gray hair, worked hard for her $400,000. That number, it could have been $40,000. I don't actually remember. A woman works hard for her $400,000 or $40,000. It was beyond anything I could ever in my life imagine saving. And I said, I've got to get out of this city because I'll never be able to make a dime here. I can't get ahead. There's no way. Every door was closed to me. I had no family connections, nothing. I had nothing working for me. So anyway, the rest is history. I've worked every day of my life. I've done well. I'm still working when I don't have to, and I could have stopped a long time ago because, to me, politics is almost my lifeblood. And, of course, the other stuff I do. The health stuff is awesome. I'm going to do a lot more of it as time goes on. People apparently really like it. They want some, someone to tell them a different viewpoint than the, uh, what they're getting from the drug companies and, the, uh, and whatever. There's a different viewpoint. I spent many years in that field. So that's when I left New York, but I didn't leave because I hated the rich is my point. I didn't leave saying, oh, I hate that rich woman in the Rolls Royce. I didn't leave because I thought that that woman on the billboard with the gray hair with the forty dollars or $400,000 was an evil person. I thought, how am I ever going to get there? How am I going to do it? I didn't know how I would do it. I didn't know if I would do it. All I knew was is that I had to get out of New York in order to break free of it. In order to break free of the social structure, the social strictures, rather, of Manhattan in those days. I'll never forget them as long as I lived. It may as well have been Calcutta with the untouchables. That's how I felt. I felt as though I was an untouchable in Manhattan, one of the untouchables. And I left. I changed my life. So what I'm getting at is you don't have to hate people who have more than you. All you have to do is want what they have and work for it. But apparently the new mayor of New York, uh, Wilhelm, thinks otherwise. And look, what it, look how it worked for him. It's worked for Mussolini. It worked for uh, Obama. It worked for Madame Defarge. It worked for Lenin. It worked for Trotsky. I mean, why shouldn't it work for him? But we'll see tomorrow what it will bring. He's promising. He's promising basically what the demagogues of the past have promised. Chavez, let's use Chavez as a closer role model. How did that work out for the people in Venezuela? How did that work out? I always mix up the countries. I'm always mixing up Argentina with Venezuela. To me, anything south of the border is one blur. In that sense, maybe I'm a little, uh, you know, a little too regional here. New Yorkers think that there's no world outside the Hudson River. I don't, to me, I, I don't want to go there. I love my country. It's enough for me already. I had enough world travels, traveling the world, living in horrible cesspools of the third world, enough to know I never want to be there again. Yeah, 20 years of living in villages and doing the plant collecting for the sake of humanity. Uh, no running water, no toilets, no English spoken here. It was a real romantic dream. I don't want it anymore. But the fact of the matter is, how did that work out for the people of the country where old Chavez promised exactly the same as de Blasio is promising the poor? Tell me how that worked out. Their health care system is a disaster. It's been hit by an atom bomb. The middle class has been fleeing since that, well, he's dead, of course. Thank God he went to his reward. He crossed the river, you know, sticks. That's where he belongs. It was where he always belongs. He came from there. He went back where he came from, uh, that wonderful South American dictator. But 
His policies are being continued by one of his uh, protégés. How's that working out for the people of that country? Many of you listen to this show. Many of you call this show from Miami and elsewhere. You fled the very same thing that is now being instituted by Obama and de Blasio. I'll be right back. Savage. Home of borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. A savage republic inside the plot to destroy America lays out the threats we face, prepare you for what's next, and offer solutions to save our republic. Please wake up and fight back before it is too late. You can buy it right now on Amazon or on bondsandnoble.com. A Savage Republic, Inside the Plot to Destroy America by Michael Savage. Thank you for listening. Share it with five others. Politics are challenging for uh, the speaker and others, and we want to make it as easy for them as possible. Uh, this is not an issue where we're looking for a political win. This is one where we're looking for a substantive win for uh, the U.S. economy. We have uh, a fascinating cross-section uh, of people, uh, some unlikely bedfellows, some very liberal folks, some very conservative folks, uh, who all believe that now's the time to get this done. Altogether, these businesses are going to have more customers. That's we're Obama, the demagogue, talking about having... Uh, enough of the thieves together to pass amnesty for the illegal aliens, mainly for the lower wages uh, that they will bring and the higher profits. So we can talk about that another time. I'm trying to tell you what they're doing behind the scenes. There's three topics tonight. Election results, casino opening in California. Do you think Indian casinos should be taxed? Marijuana tax in Colorado passed to 25%. That's a good idea. Why shouldn't it be taxed across America? Why not? Uh, alcohol is taxed. Tobacco is taxed. Why should, what, is marijuana different? And what about driving while stoned? I don't get it. How about me having to smell that crap? It's called dope for a reason. I hate the smell of it. It's disgusting. Every time I walk in downtown San Francisco, these filthy bums are smoking the medical marijuana. I don't like it. I find it makes me allergic, okay? Why do I have to put up with their filthy secondhand smoke? Why? Because this is what liberalism is. It's a twisted lie from top to bottom. Oh, it's medical marijuana. Oh, it's medical. So therefore, I have to put up with the guy's secondhand smoke, which I could puke from? How about all of the kids driving around stoned on marijuana or driving boats or riding bicycles through intersections and running people over on marijuana? That's okay because it's medical marijuana? See, you have to understand what this is all about. That's what it's all about. Now, in New York, this guy, uh, Fugazio, who won, his real name, of course, is, uh, it's important. How could a guy have a name like, that's a Germanic name and run as an Italian? Is amazing. You talk about stupid people. That was his road to success? Unbelievable. So now he's acting like he has a 718 area code rather than a 212 area code. That's a local joke. I mean, you have to live in New York to understand that. This guy's about as much 718 as I am. He's a real 718 for sure. That's, of course, a, a, what's that? Not a, an area code for Brooklyn. But uh, no, he's 212 as sure as I'm sitting here. He's actually not even 212. His real area code is a 617 because he's from Boston. <laughs> you know, this is not a bad way to play, play games here. It's like, is he a 617, a 718, a 415? Uh, you know, you can play with numbers on this. Anything to entertain yourself. You can go crazy from it after a while. We haven't even done Christie tonight. I tried to tell you what the progressive movement was and you fell asleep. I tried to tell you they opened up a, a fake Indian gambling casino here the size of Las Vegas and closed down highways 
and I had to alter my... It's lucky for you because I didn't go to my appointment. I came on the air tonight. I was afraid to get on the highway to go north. $800 million. 254-acre Indian gambling casino. 3,000 3, slot machines for all the welfare recipients. Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.